You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking more about leadership, coaching, performance, and the impact these elements have on the culture of an organization. There's a critical relationship here. And the fact of the matter is most companies can create a culture but fail to sustain it. Most people struggle to be true leaders, don't understand what a coach is, result subpar performance, and we want to avoid that. For those in leadership position, those being led or coached, the organization as a whole. To dive deeper on the topic, we have with us Jason Forrest, CEO of Forrest Performance Group. Jason's a well-known speaker, management coach, and author of books including WTF, Why Training Fails, and Sales Leadership, Sales Coaching. Jason, thank you for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. Excellent. So before we start and get into the meeting, we always like to start with a kind of an oddball question. People that know you from the, the sales coaching and performance uh, side of the world, how about a hobby or a pastime, something you're really passionate about that they might be surprised to learn about? I am obsessed with Spartan races. So I love, oh, tough I love mutter, Spartan. Spartan. Yeah, I've never done the tough, I've never done the tough mutter, but yeah, definitely the definitely the Spartan race. And it was kind of one of those things for me when, you know, I'm 40 years old and I started them a couple of years ago and I, I, I just needed something to kind of, I don't know, challenge myself as I was getting older to, you know, take on a, a take on something that I probably couldn't even have done when I was in my thirties or, or <laughs> late twenties. Those are not and easy. They're not easy. And so the last one I just completed is, was about 13 miles. Nine was in the mud, about 35 obstacles. And it's, you got to carry 50 pound sandbags through the mud. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. But so I got, I got another intense. one coming up in two weeks. <laughs> nice. How many about, how many of those you do a year? Well, last year I did two and this year I'm, I'm doing four. So I'm doing all, I'm doing all the four in Texas. Ah, okay. So it's, we're just going to keep adding them on. That's a, I mean, that's a lot of work. It's also depending on how well you can get through it. I've seen some people take some pretty big uh, bruises and bumps getting through those. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty fun, but it's also, again, it keeps you motivated, right? Cause I need, I need something during the week that I can do. And I will tell you this, even though I played high school football and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in better shape now than I was in high school because to train for a Spartan race, you have to be functionally fit. Right. You know, so I have to carry things. So like I always joke, I'm like, well, anyone needs me to like carry their couch up the stairs with them. I, I got it down, you know, so, so I, I can do that now. <laughs> oh, perfect. All right. So we've spent a great deal of time on this show discussing leadership and we've, you know, over the, over the course of the episodes and stuff, we've covered some great points and powerful takeaways. I gotta be honest, I'm not hundred percent certain we've cracked the nut yet, so to speak. So we'd love to start with kind of your view and definition of leadership, just to kind of set the stage. I think some of our, our listeners still struggle with making sure they're all on the same page. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so a leader is a person you take to a place that you wouldn't go on your own or, you know, that, that that's my definition of a leader. A leader is a person you follow to a place you wouldn't go on your own. But my, when I wrote the book, leadership sales coaching, I believe that a sales coach is all about making people better versus making things easier. And that's the very big difference between the two. So think about it as a manager, a manager goes into a situation and try to, tries to manage things and they say, okay, well, why are you not selling right now? Well, I'm not selling because you know, the prices are too high or the economy's bad or I need better traffic or 
you know, whatever those kind of excuses are. Well, a manager comes in and kind of plays this kind of hero card and says, okay, well, let me go back to corporate. Let me see if I can get you better traffic, better customers, better qualified, better product, et cetera. And so, but a coach says, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take you down this death spiral of making your circumstances easier. That's not going to actually help you in the long run. So instead, I'm going to make you better. I can't change your circumstances, but I can change how you think about them and how you see them. And I can change how you behave in these circumstances so that you can get the sales that you, you are desiring. So that, that to me is the big difference between, you know, again, being that coach and the, the question everyone really should ask themselves that I think is always the best thing to think about is that if Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, or Bill Belichick were running your sales team, how would they run it differently? You know, they run it, they run it very differently. Right. And so to me, you got to look at it as salespeople are athletes and they should be coached like athletes, not managed like employees. I uh, love it. It's very true. And that's so a self-identification is a challenge for most individuals, right? So there are people that are listening that I know, Oh no, I can, I can already hear them. No, no, I coach. I truly coach, but no, really when we look at it, it's more, you're doing more managing. So how do you help individuals? Are there certain things you help individuals realize about themselves or look for in themselves so that they can kind of grade themselves on that spectra, uh, spectrum between manager versus coach so they can be at least self-aware enough to know, you know, hey, these are the gaps I have as an individual and, and kind of paths I can take to get better. Are there kind of things that the audience could look for or kind of do a self-assessment that you found to be particularly effective? Yeah, several, several things. So, so I'm, I'm a big fan of creating questions. So questions that change. So again, if you go, you kind of think about that hero concept. Well, you know, in every great story, you've got a hero, you've got a villain and you've got a victim. And that's what creates really the story structure. And all the time, it's interesting because leaders will always complain about their people and say, you know, my salespeople just have such a victim mentality. And the point that I make to them is, well, let's look at where you are on this drama triangle, right? And are you the hero right now that every time they give a statement of, of blame? Are you the hero that comes in there and gives them a statement of sabotage? See, a statement of sabotage is, hey, no, no problem. I understand that you're having a hard time with this, you know, with this selling circumstance. And let me go see if I can make this easier for you. Let me go. They don't say that, but they do it. They do it in the sense of agreeing that the product they're offering is not the right product. And so let me go to corporate and see if I can change the product. So it's a statement of sabotage. They're sabotaging that person from changing. And then that, that victim, sorry, that villain is usually the, you know, someone from corporate, right? So the villain could be, could be the head of sales or it could be the owner or division president, some kind of kind of person like that. And so they're always kind of, you know, complaining about the sales department. So you kind of have this kind of vicious cycle, right? Where you got victims, heroes, and you've got villains. And so what I tell people is if you want, if you want them to stop being victims, then you have to stop being heroes. Instead, you got to start being coaches. Because if you're a coach, you can change the salesperson who's acting like a victim to a creator. And see, a creator, they create questions of opportunity. So they're saying, hey, what can I do to improve this situation? How can I make a difference? They go to the coach and they're asking for coaching. They're asking for coaching. And that's because the coach is asking questions as well. They come in and they say, instead of giving statements of blame, they're saying they're having questions of accountability. And so they're going, hey, what are you going to do to improve the situation? How can you make a difference in the situation based upon the circumstances you have? And of course, that also changes the you know, the, the corporate side that maybe plays that villain side. And now they become more of a challenger. And again, challengers are great, but challengers ask questions as well. So again, it's all about just changing the triad from, from statements 
into questions and kind of pushes everyone to be above the line. Yeah. When we work with clients, we like to tell them statements, create conflict, questions, uncover solutions. Perfect. And, Love and, that. It's, and it's, and it's, you know, that awareness to, to ask the questions, calm, calm down, slow down a little bit. It's, it'll be okay. Ask the questions uh, is critical. Well, so we, all right. So we talk about coaches and, and leaders now, and there's, there's different types of leaders in an organization, right? We're not talking about just C-level leaders. We're talking about even leaders that may not show up in the org chart itself. How do you see it? And what have you seen when you've worked with clients, the impact that that has on culture? So if say they have a larger majority of individuals that are closer to the coaching side of the spectrum versus managers, how have you seen that or vice versa? How have you seen that manifest in organizations? Yeah, well, it really changes everything. And, 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 you know, one of the things I will tell you, and I, I go kind of push the envelope when I say this is that right now, if you, I'm just going to specifically talk about sales management. So if you have, if you have your sales manager right now, just make a list of everything a sales manager is doing. Okay. On a daily basis, what are they doing? And then I want you to go through and say, okay, are these are these management tasks or are these coaching tasks? Are these about managing things or coaching people? Are they about making things easier or, or of course making uh, people better? And so if you can kind of look at that, what you'll recognize is that there's a ma the majority of the list of things that you're causing, you're asking your sales managers to do, you're actually overpaying them to do. Because all that management stuff is actually, <laughs> in my opinion, I, I call them overpaid admins. Yep. And, and, and I used to be that person. I mean, I used to be a sales manager before I learned this stuff. I was a sales manager and I would go around and say, hey, how can I help you? And, and they would tell me the same things I'm telling you. And, and I thought that was what I was supposed to do. That was my identity. And then I realized I became actually a national trainer. I was head of national training for a Fortune 500 company. And so I would go out there and so I would teach people how to sell uh, versus according to the managing side. My identity changed. And so they kept asking me, you know, salespeople would say, hey, when are you going to spend time with me? Shadow me again, do some ride arounds. And I'd say, why don't you get your manager to do that? Well, manager doesn't do that. My manager, you know, gets me better, gets me paperwork, gets me da da da, da right? So she was, they were doing the same thing I was doing. But what happened is I became a trainer. I became a teacher. And that's actually what exactly a manager should be doing. They should be coaching and teaching, you know, how to. So it changes everything. It changes the entire uh, belief system. Because right now, you know, here's a big thing. Culture, everyone, everyone should write this down. Culture is what happens behind the boss's back. Okay. That's, that's oh, my, I love that. And, and FPG, it yeah, it's my simple definition. I teach culture a lot and at FPG at our company, we've actually won the best place to work in Fort Worth three years in a row. And one of the best places to work in Texas and on Inc magazine standards. And which is kind of cool because we're a consulting company and we like to eat our own dog food and all that kind of great stuff. So, so we, we, um, but my whole thing is it's a very simple, it's very simple to know if you have the culture you want. The culture you want is you are 100% certain that the people on your team are doing what they're supposed to do as if you were there, the culture yeah, you want, okay? If you have any kind of uncertainty, I'm not really sure if they're, if they're doing the things I need them to do uh, as if I was there, then it's the culture you don't want. Now, here's the cool thing. I've had people push back and go, I feel, I feel, I feel pretty confident about my team. I feel like they're doing the right things. I go, great. So, uh, so raise your hand then if you know, in the last 30 days when, when a senior leader came, came around to one of your stores or one of your properties or one of your dealers, whatever it is, you know, raise your hand that there was an email that sent out that said, C-suite's coming in town, get your act together. <laughs> they all raised their hand. And I said, then you're, you're, you're lying to yourself, right. right? Because you don't need to send the email out if they're all acting as if the C-suite's already there, right? So, so that's the thing. So culture is everything. The number one profit leak in an organization is people's productivity. That's the number one profit leak. 
And so, you know, most people, they actually Gallup research will actually say that most employees are only giving you about 40% of their work week. So they're only actually working 40% of the time. Most, most employees. Wow. That's a Gallup. I'm... It's a Gallup research. So, you know, I always tell people, look, you guys think that the way to, you know, to increase your profit margin is to raise your prices or go, you know, squeeze your vendors out of, you know, charging or charging less. You, you no, know, you just need to get, you just need to get your people fully engaged and focused at work and get them, get them, you know, moving on all cylinders. Cause right now what ends up happening is as your company grows, if you don't get your culture in check, you end up having to hire two to three times the amount of people to the, get the job done of one, which makes sense, right? Cause if one person's only working 40% of the time, actually working, you know, 40% getting the stuff done, then you, of course you got to hire, you know, hire two or three people for the job of one. So that means you're way overpaying for the productivity you're getting. Wow. That's just some interesting stats. I hadn't, I had not heard those and, and kind of correlated it to the impact of the organization and the leaks. Are there things that, you know, I love that example of, Hey, C-suites coming around, everybody gets, you know, pull your head out and, and do what you're supposed to be doing. Are there other signals, behaviors, activities, indicators that uh, managers and leaders can take a look at to kind of self-assess or, or get to the point where they go, Hey, we need to call Jason to help us on culture. Are there other things that when you walk in, you ask those other types of questions or things that you're looking for? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I would say things like, um, so right now, what percentage of your employees are come late to work or come late to your meetings? Yeah. They, they come late to your meetings yeah. you know, or what percentage of your people you give some sort of assignment to that needs to be done by a certain time and they can't, and they don't get it done, you know, or what percentage of your people complain about the meetings you're having? Or they, or, you know, there's rumbling going that it's not, you know, that, that it's kind of a waste of their time. And so when they've got those things, I mean, that's, I mean, there's a, you're right. There's a lot, there's a lot of things that we could point to specifically, but it sounds like if I'm, if I'm tracking and if not, correct me, a lot of this can stem from the types of coaches, leaders, and or managers, whatever you've got inside the organization, kind of pushing those gears of the organization around. So when you said earlier, it affects everything. You literally meant everything. It affects everything. So, so I'll give you, I'll give you a simple survey you can do. If you actually, um, if you actually reach out to us, we can definitely give you the, give you the survey. We'd love to give it to you. But so we use it, we create an internal survey that we use and we of course give it to our clients. And, and, uh, this is how we know we're always going to win best place to work because we survey ourselves once a quarter and then we do the work on it. And so, we, you know, we get the best place to work award. It, we know we're going to get it. And I always kind of <laughs> say to people like, Hey, let's do the work internally first. Um, now, if for some reason we don't get best place to work one year, but our internal surveys are all top notch, that means our, that means my people are not telling me the truth, which is a, which is also a huge culture problem, right? right. So I tell them you got to be transparent. We got to work through this, but I do it based on the six human needs psychology. So one of my uh, certifications is, is an addiction counseling. I'm also a master practitioner in neurolinguistic programming, and but the addiction, the six human needs is kind of like the evolved Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the reason why people are addicted to anything, so just any kind of addiction they have, and addictions can be good or bad, right? Like I'm addicted to Spartan races. I don't think that's really hurting me. It's not preventing me from, you know, from any kind of happiness in my life. So addictions can be good or bad. Well, you're addicted because you've got three or more of these six human needs that are connected to a vehicle. So for example, you have the need of certainty. I want to feel safe. I want to feel secure. You have the need of variety. I want to have fun. Uh, need of significance. I want to feel like I matter. You want to have the need of 
love and connection. Like I'm connected to other people. I've got, you know, best friends and so forth and at work. I'm connected to a mission. You need growth, which is, I feel like I'm improving and you want to have contribution, which is, I feel like I'm making a difference in the world. And so what we do is we have a um, simple survey internally that we send out and just say, Hey, on a scale of one in 10, you know, how certain are you in the direction that FPG is going? You know, how certain are you on a scale of one in 10, you know, in the leadership of FPG and where they're taking it? you know, on variety, you know, how much fun are you having at work? Are you getting bored at work? You know, so we ask those kind of questions on scale one to 10. And we always ask, of course, what, if it's less than a 10, what can you do to, you know, what would you suggest to improve? Sure. Significance, you know, do you feel like you're being heard? Do you feel like you matter? You know, connection, do you have a best friend at work? We always ask that question. Is there someone at work that you hang out with outside of work? And so we know that people who have friends at, at FPG that they hang out with outside of work, they're also more loyal to FPG they want to work harder, right? Because if, if you want to escape from work, that you're going to be in that 40, <laughs> you're going to be the person that's only 40% of my time, right? right. But, if, but our employees say that, that they escape from life and they come to FPG. Oh, I like that. Right? That's kind of a cool thing. So growth is, do I feel like I'm getting better? And contribution is, do I feel like I'm making a, a difference? And do I feel like I'm, you know, like an altruism thing, like I'm connected to this higher purpose here. And so... And this is, this is not just, I mean, it's a huge millennial thing to get this, these six human needs thing in line. It's just a huge, it's a huge everyone thing. I mean, every, every human being really operates off these six human needs. And, but I'm telling you, if you, if you, the millennial population, we have over, you know, majority of our employees are millennials, but they really love the six human needs. Like they really get into it where, you know, the older population, they're not necessarily as youth, they're not used to, you know, creating a kind of a really great culture. And so they're more just you know, kind of put your head down and kind of do the work, even though they love it here too. They think they're like, I mean, we have a guy that's, you know, just started here in his fifties and he's like, where did this place come from? Like, where have you been? (laughs) So that's cool too, you know? Um, But that's six human needs, very simple thing. And again, your goal is, your goal is to make them addicted to you. And, you know, in a critical thinking question, Chad, that your, your listeners can ask that was taught to me uh, a little while back. That was a great question is, would your employees be excited to wear your company logo on a t-shirt. Uh, yeah. Brand loyal well, question, right? Like how many, I mean, would your employees be excited? I mean, I've worked for a lot of companies in my past before I owned my own company that I'm like, I'm not wearing that logo. I'm not going to be proud of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so excellent. I'm sorry. I'm just writing that one down. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Fun, fun one. It goes back to, you know, um, done, done work and, and, uh, been around people from like Scott safety or, or Harley Davidson. These are brands that people tattoo on their bodies, right? Now Scott yeah. safety, because you know, they're the saving firefighters and first responders lives and Harley Davidson gets a lifestyle, quote unquote, lifestyle brand that's become much more pervasive. I think it's also created challenges for those individuals that have found themselves. I don't want to say by accident, but say let's without a strategic plan, found themselves in those management uh, or higher level of responsibility positions. And if they're not self-aware enough of what that truly means, the totality, I mean, the six human needs is a, is a perfect example. The totality of what it means to manage, lead, coach, uh, and impact an organization into our culture, they can sometimes be their own worst enemy. And I think self-awareness uh, is something that I, all, all managers need to, to invest in a little bit more. So I'd love to hear kind of these these tips and share these with the audience because I think it helps them kind of get back into their own head and be completely transparent with themselves. Cause I don't think that happens enough in most of the organizations I've seen. Yeah. Well, well here, I'll give you another, I'll give you another tip, a couple of tips to, to, to do. So for example, one of the things that we do and we have our clients do is um, on the accountability chart, which you can call an org chart on the accountability chart, you have five roles for every employee. So everyone's really clear on what their roles are. 
Well, every leader in our organization, their top role of the five is lead, coach, and create a culture of accountability, trust, dialogue, excellence, and drive. So lead, coach, and create a culture of accountability, trust, dialogue, excellence, and drive. And we, of course, just put the letters of accountability, <laughs> trust, dialogue, and drive. It won't fit on the org chart. But, <laughs> but that, that's the thing. And we have KPIs around that. We have KPIs around, you know, let's talk about how you've, you've impacted your people and how are you coaching them and what are the plans. And, and so we're always, you know, putting those development plans in order to make it happen. And, you know, and a great way to look at leadership too, we have a, another program called Executive Playbook that actually just won a Stevie Award for the top leadership development program in the world from Stevie and the judges were like, we've never seen anything like this before. And, and what we, what we're trying were to do, Vegas, were you, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Were you in Vegas in February? I was uh, the one that, yeah, the, the past one that just, just the happened. one we just had. Yeah. How, how did we not run into each other? I don't know. I mean, it's a large, it's a massive, large event. Uh, because the podcast, this podcast won a gold Stevie. It did. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Several of our clients uh, cleaned up. FMT was one of my clients. They picked up a couple too. I, it's funny. That, um, I Damn. Next time, I, I'm, next time we are there, because we take clients every year, I'll, I'll make sure I shoot out a note. Sorry to interrupt you, but... Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We've, we've won all seven of those things. So we're, we're pretty excited nice. about it. So. Very cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So, so we, um, so the, the executive playbook program, which is a cool thing is it, it basically teaches leaders that they're the number one programmers, um, in their people's belief systems. And so if you think about it like this, that, you know, think of like a hacker, a hacker goes into a computer system, re rewires it to do what it needs it to do. Well, a leader really is a hacker. And they go into, they, based upon the words they say to their people, they will change how they believe and therefore change what they do. And so one of the things I always tell leaders is that, you know, I don't know if you were like me in the sense that when I, you know, when I got promoted to leadership, I did it because I thought it was the next thing I was supposed to do. I, I, I did it because of <laughs> yeah. you know, stability. It was the next mm -hmm. job title, whatever. And it was many years later that I realized, wait a minute, I'm actually like, potentially hurting these humans right now. Like I'm actually impacting them. Like I'm actually based on how I'm treating them, based on me ignoring them or coaching them or, you know, believing in them or not believing in them. I mean, all of these actions that I'm doing, you know, I'm not, I'm not intending to hurt them, but I am hurting them. I am hurting them in right. some cases. And so, you know, then I finally decided to really invest in this stuff and be again, more of a coach versus a manager and really start teaching and focusing on it. But I want people to realize it's, it's, you got to, you got to measure the impact. I always say the most effective way to measure the success of the leader is the impact they're making on their people. And the way I measure the impact is how many people have they created to be self-sustained employees, number one. And number two is how many leaders have they created? Nice. Right. So how many people have they created that are self-sustained, right? Cause if they, if they're a sales manager, for example, and they, they can't get a salesperson to be self-sustained, self-sufficient and be, you know, when it comes to making their numbers, then it's like, what's their, what's their quota? You know, they need to have a quota as well. Right. And what's their track record? What's their conversion rate? And the second factor again is how many leaders can create other leaders? Cause the most effective leader you can possibly have on your team is one that can create other leaders. And that becomes, I mean, that's something you have to focus on and do with awareness, not accidentally. That doesn't happen Correct. accidentally. Correct. All right. So one of the questions that we always hear and, and uh, when we talk leadership and coaching and stuff, uh, and I love the different perspectives on, I always get asked, well, how do you have the tough conversations? 
how do you tell, you know, if you're dealing with sales rep, how, how do you have the conversation where it, where it could get, they could have an emotional reaction. You're not hitting your quota. You're not putting in the activity, whatever that tough conversation may be. So would love kind of your perspective on what you've seen work uh, extremely well in terms of having leaders, coaches do those types of what would traditionally be considered tougher conversation. Yeah. Great, great question. So again, one, I think you should get your mind right around the tough conversation concept. So, you know, to me, when I'm challenged with this question a lot too, I always ask them, I'll say, okay, well, let me ask you, um, is that person going to, you know, if they, if they don't change the behavior or change what they're doing, are they going to, are they going to get fired? And they say, well, not, you know, not, not today, but okay, well, when, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> when, when are they going to get fired? If they don't change when are they get fired. Well, you know, probably, I mean, probably 60, 90 days. Great. So put yourself in their shoes right now. They've, they're, you know, they've got two kids at home and if they lose their job tomorrow, what kind of ripple effect is that going to have on them? And they're like pretty big. And I said, so you got to get over yourself. You got to stop being selfish and start being a leader and you need to save their life right now. Because right now, if you delay the conversation, you already know how the story is going to end. Right. And so right. have the conversation today so you can change the story. So one, I have, I do have a tough conversation like that with those people. But then number two is that, um, and I tell them, I, I try to use the moral, like you have a moral obligation, right? right? To like go have a conversation with them. It's not, you know, it's a moral obligation. You know, and then I, I always think it's important in, in order to change behavior. This is a big uh, change behavior thing is that the easiest way to change behavior is to figure out what is the positive intention behind the behavior that a person's not doing and then change their perspective. So for example, I mean, I just did that, you know, even in that exercise right there, because I was, I was helping the person that I was coaching re recognize that they do feel bad about this person. They want to help them. So I would continue right. on with that and say, you know, Hey, what kind of leader do you want to be known as? What is your legacy going to be? What do you want people to say about you? You know, and so I, I want to get kind of position of strength, you know, with that person, of course, talking to them. And they all say, you know, make an impact, make a difference, you know, that people thought I cared about them and grew them as a person, all that stuff. And which is all exactly what they should say. And, and then I'll say, okay, so, you know, right now, the fact that you've ignored this person, do you think they know they're doing a bad job? Like, do you think they're happy? Do you think they're successful? Are there, are there other people around them that are, you know, that are selling more than them and crashing it? But they're, you know, yeah, of course. So they're not dumb. You didn't hire a dumb person. They know what's going on, right? <laughs> right. And so they they already have they're already beating themselves up. They're already have they're already probably in a state of shame and a state of worry. They're already scared, you know. And and at the same time, your positive intention is to if, is for them to say all these great things about you. But my question is, what do you think they're probably saying about you right now? Yeah, they're probably saying that you don't care about them. You just want to see them fail that you don't believe it's possible for them to turn around, you know? So that's what they're really saying about you. So if you, if you want them to say all those great things about you, then you got to have the tough conversation and you got to get in there and you got to, and then, and then the, the line, the, the tough conversation I like to have with people all the time, employees, this is an easy one. I have a whole training program on tough conversations. That's really fun that you asked this question. <laughs> so I have a lot of scripts on this. And so one of the scripts that I like to teach is, is this, and I'll say something like, I'll say, Hey, so, so when I hired you, it's like in the case I'm talking with, I'm talking to you, Chad, I'd say, Chad, you know, when I hired you, the reason why I hired you is because I saw the, I saw the following things in you. I saw that you, you know, you, you, you came to the interview like an hour beforehand, you were dressed in such a certain way. You were, you know, very confident and certain, you know, you told me that you were going to do blank, 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 and that you were going to do this. And then the next 30 days you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. 
you know, I hired that guy. And right now over the last, over the last month, the pattern's been, you know, blank, 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 blank. And it's not, it's not the same guy, you know, and, and I want you to know, Chad, I, I had a contract with you, you know, you sold me that you were going to be that guy and that's the guy that I hired and that's the guy that I need. And so right now I need to ask you, what is holding you back from being the guy I hired? I don't want this guy in front of me right now. I need that guy. Nice. I like it. That's a good one too, because I'm not cutting you down at all. I'm not saying that you can't be that. I'm not saying that you're not enough. I'm saying you you haven't upheld your end of the bargain. We had an agreement. The agreement is this is who you told me you're going to be and do for me. And you're not doing those things. So I need you to go back to that guy, you know, (laughs) what's going on in your life that made this dude show up. I need the other guy. Yeah, yeah, and I really like the assume positive intent, right? Assume, the, the, yeah, assume positive intent. Assume positive intent is is extremely powerful because people, I think, have a tendency to go into those tough conversations and they get in their own head, right? Our mindset plays such a critical role in the success, not only of our day to day lives, but especially in those conversations. It sets a tone. People can read it, you know. So assuming positive intent, I think, is is a big one. All right, so let's change direction here a little bit. We always ask two um, two questions at the end of the interview. The first is simply as the owner of a company, as CEO of Forest Performance Group, that makes you a dun, 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 prospect for salespeople or target, depending on how aggressively you want to call it out. I always love to hear, you know, best way in is always a referral. But let's say somebody wants to get in front of you that they think they've got something that, that's going to provide value to you or to the organization, but you don't have a referral. What captures your attention and, and inspires you to give them the 15 minutes that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten? Yeah. I mean, me personally, I would just say, I would say, tell me the problem that you're, that you think I have that I need to have solved and that you're the person that can solve it. So they should show you, they know you that it's not just some canned thing. They, they understand, you know, they, they understand what for, uh, forest performance does. They've done a little bit of homework on you. It's not just some, you know, cookie cutter marketing automated out goes the email kind of thing a little bit more contextual to your specific situation. Is that a fair summary? Yeah. Yeah. So what's preventing us? I mean, they need to, you know, they need to teach me something new. They need to solve the problems I didn't even know I had. They can solve the problems I didn't even know I have and, and educate me on that. Then, you know, then I'm, I'm all about hearing. I mean, we're, I mean, our, our goal is to become a hundred million dollar training company. So, you know, and we're doing that from a sales perspective We're we're flying and we're growing like crazy, but we want to keep growing. And so, you know, any, and this is what I always tell my salespeople too, is that, you know, don't call on the people who, who, who don't want to grow. Don't call on those companies. Don't call on the companies that are okay with just, right. you know, just maintaining what they have. Call on the companies that have huge, big, hairy, audacious goals because, because they'll hear anything. They'll hear any solution they can to get there, which is how I am. I'm like, you know, I got a long way to go. I'll hear, if you got any kind of magic bullet out there, I'll, I'll definitely hear it. You can pitch me all day long. Excellent. All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales, marketing consultants, one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would help them hit their targets, exceed their goals, what would it be and why? Well, the big thing I would say is work on your mindset. I have a book coming out called The Mindset of a Sales Warrior. They can go to FPG Masterclass and and look more about the, the book coming out and the masterclass around it. But, you know, I would say get the mindset right. I mean, for me, when it comes to being a salesperson, our kind of warrior selling code that we live by is, is this one belief system and that belief statement that is all human beings move away from pain and toward life improvement. And a sales warrior believes their mission is to liberate them from any indecision. 
right? Uh, so think about that. All human beings are moving away from pain towards life improvement. And a sales warrior believes their mission is to liberate them from any indecision. So to resolve it, to figure out what's stopping them, what's keeping them, what's preventing them from getting that life improvement, from getting away from that pain, what's keeping them. And I'm, gonna, I'm on a mission to not let you live one more day, one more night, you know, in that thing that you're in or in that business solution that you're doing, whatever it is, we're going to get you out of that and in, into something better. You know, that's, if they, if they just adopt that mindset and that belief and they say that to themselves, you know, every freaking day, then I think that'll change a lot of things. Yeah. Excellent. So if somebody's interested in getting in touch with you, what do you prefer? Um, website, direct email, LinkedIn, what works best for you? M most people usually just hit you on LinkedIn, but would love for the audience to know what you prefer so that they can react accordingly. Yeah. I mean, they want to, they want to talk to me. They can definitely just LinkedIn is great. Again, I had this master class coming up, a uh, master class coming up called the FPG masterclass.com. And it's a, it's all about the mindset of a sales warrior. So that's great. You can also shoot me an email at, at uh, Jason at FPG.com. That'll work too. Excellent. Jason, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been great having you on the show today. I've loved it. I'll, I'll definitely love to come back. We can talk about coaching or culture or sales or yeah, I'd love to actually, once the, once the next books, next book comes out, I'd love to spend some time diving into it a little bit deeper. I know we were focused on leadership and coaching today, but that sounds like an amazing topic. I'd love to make sure we get some time on the calendar to do that. Thank you. I'd love to do that. Excellent. All right, everybody that does it for this episode, check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know, the drill share with friends, family, and coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time we at value selling associates, wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.